money makes the world go round. Or at least that's what we're told. And yet, the Scripture reveals to us that there is something that is far more precious than gold to God. We can find in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. There we go. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Peter says, The proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is more precious than gold to our Father in heaven? It's faith. But not just any kind of faith. What is precious to God is imperishable faith. Gold is not precious because it fades, it tarnishes, and eventually it will be destroyed. But our faith is precious to God when it continues to maintain its luster and its shine and it is incorruptible and imperishable. And yet the Scripture explains to us that this faith is going to be tested by fire. And that makes it tough on us. As we go through the testing of fire to purify our faith at times, as we go through that, the pain, the agony, the torment, the oppression, the persecution, whatever it might be that is testing our faith, we may be tempted to allow the luster of our faith to fade, to allow the purity of our faith to corrupt and to fall aside. And yet here in the first chapter of the book of 1 Peter, Peter demonstrates to us why we should keep our faith imperishable. And he points out to us that there are three bases for an imperishable faith. And I'd like for us to examine that. There are three reasons why we can maintain the strength of faith and keep it shining and beautiful and precious to our Father in heaven. Look toward the end of 1 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to notice in verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Peter said this, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. Why can we have an imperishable faith? Because our faith is based upon the imperishable Word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Paul explained to us that our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Faith comes from Christ's Word. And that Word is imperishable. And so our faith can be imperishable. If we are anchoring our faith in God's Word, it can continue to shine. It can maintain its luster. You look in John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 31. When John was coming to the conclusion of his Gospel in John chapter 20 and verse 31, he said, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. If this Word meant that Jesus was real last week, guess what it means this week? Guess what it'll mean next week? Guess what it'll mean 20 years from now? Guess what it means no matter what is happening in your life? It means that Jesus is real and we can have an imperishable faith because the Word upon which we are basing our faith is imperishable. In fact, look in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, it was this Word that saved us. 
In Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, Paul wrote, Romans 6, 17, But thanks be to God, that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. How did we become free from sin? Because we heard the teaching. We heard the Word and we submitted to it. We obeyed it. And that Word is imperishable. If it was right last year, it's right this year, it'll be right next year. If it was right when times were good, it is right when times are bad. The Word is imperishable. Our faith must be imperishable and can be when we base it on this Word. But how does Satan attack us? We can go all the way back to the very first thing. You remember it in Genesis chapter 3? You remember what happened, don't you? Eve told the serpent, God said we can eat from any tree in the garden. We just can't eat from that one over there, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, in the day that we eat of that fruit, we will surely die. You remember what Satan said? Oh, no. You won't die. You'll become like God. What did he really attack? He attacked God's Word. Oh, God told you you would die, but no, that's not true. Don't trust His Word, trust my Word. And that is exactly what Satan has done now for the past thousands of years. As he's constantly attacked the Word of God. Don't trust it. Don't believe it. In fact, we can go to 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 3, Peter says this, We go from the beginning to consideration of the end. He said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, Notice first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. They'll mock and say, you've heard the promise that Jesus is going to return, but it's just not going to happen. You just can't trust the Word of God. Satan, from beginning to end, is using the exact same ploy. Attack God's Word. So we go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. And there in 1 Peter chapter 1, you can read in verse 24 and 25, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 24, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which is preached to you. Quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, Peter points out, there are going to be people that speak against the word of God, but here's what we need to understand. Men are like flowers, they're like grass, and they fall, they fade, they perish. The words that they utter fail. But the Word of God is imperishable. It will continue on, no matter what men say, no matter what men do. We can maintain an imperishable thing because we're anchoring it in the imperishable world. Second, First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Despite the fact that the Scripture there says 23, I did not even notice that the other day. That's actually verse 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, 
but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. We can have an imperishable faith because we recognize that we were bought with an imperishable sacrifice. There might be times in our lives when we look at all the things that are happening to us, when the testing by fire is coming upon us, when we may begin to wonder, does God really love me? Is God really able to pull this forgiveness thing off? After all, I am an awful sinner. We might begin to doubt. But Peter points out to us there's no need to doubt. The sacrifice has been given. And it's imperishable. It doesn't fade. It's not corrupted. No matter what's going on around you, it hasn't affected the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at all. He provides a comparison there. Perhaps if our redemption was purchased with silver and gold that fades and tarnishes and perishes with the using, perhaps now 2,000 years later we might worry, you know, did Jesus really pay enough to cover my sins? But He didn't buy it with silver and gold. He bought it with His blood. As of the spotless, without blemish land. Hebrews chapter 9 drives the same point home. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. In Hebrews 9 and verse 11, the Scripture reads, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Verse 15, For this reason He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since the death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of one who made it. What's the Hebrew writer point out? Because this sacrifice was once for all. God knew what was coming, and He offered this one sacrifice for all of us. It was in Paris. It covered everything. Brought about eternal redemption. There is not anything else that's going to be needed for our redemption. Just His sacrifice. And he points out, just think about it. If you could kill a lamb or a heifer and sprinkle the ashes and the blood on people and it would cleanse the defilement of their flesh, how much more would taking the Son of God and shedding His blood cleanse our conscience of sin? It's an imperishable sacrifice that accomplished exactly what God wants us to accomplish, and that is cleansing our sins. In fact, the Hebrew writer goes on to point out that this is the only way God could do it. There must be a death for the covenant to be in power. And Jesus was that death, the imperishable sacrifice. God demonstrating His love for us and His power to save us in that. Look in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul wrote, 
For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Paul's point, he says, well, excuse me, if God knew how sinful we were going to be, but sent the imperishable sacrifice anyway, how much more will He exert His power and His love to make sure that those of us who love Him will be continually reconciled, will be brought into heaven? God loves us and He's that powerful. His imperishable sacrifice demonstrated that. Second Peter chapter 2. In Second Peter chapter 2. In verse 7. Second Peter chapter 10 and verse 7, Peter writes, If he rescued righteous law, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, verse 9, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the days of judgment. Because God knows how to take care of His own. He's writing, Peter was writing this to people who are going through persecution and problems and testing by fire of their faith. And Peter is reminding them, God sent His Son, an imperishable sacrifice. And here in Second Peter, he reminds them, if God could protect others, He'll take care of us too. And so let's remember to hold our faith steadfast, imperishable, incorruptible, continue. Because the same sacrifice we believed in last week is the same sacrifice that washes our sins away today and is powerful enough to wash them away no matter what the enemy is doing. We can maintain the faith in Pharisees. First Peter chapter one, verse four. First Peter chapter one and verse four. As Peter explains to us that we will obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We can maintain an imperishable faith because we are, in prom- we are promised an imperishable inheritance. There is nothing that goes on in this world that takes our inheritance away. It doesn't matter what Satan throws at us. He cannot pull us out of the hand of God. He cannot separate us from the love of God. And Peter wants us to understand that that salvation is going to be revealed when? Today? No. In the last time. We didn't become Christians to make sure we had an easy life today or tomorrow or the next day. We became Christians because we wanted to go to heaven, right? What's changed? The fact that things are a little tough today, does that change what we want for eternity? No. Does that change where we're going to go for eternity? Absolutely not. Our inheritance is reserved for us. It will not fade away. It is imperishable. We've got to maintain that imperishable faith because we're reserved by the power of God through faith to receive that imperishable inheritance. What a powerful blessing God has awaiting us. And we've just got to continue to focus on it. One of the problems is down here we get so distracted. There's so many things down here that we can see that it pulls our eyes off of the real reward 
and begins to think that maybe some of these things down here are the reward. But it's not. Look in Luke chapter 8 and verse 13. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 13. Excuse me, verse 14. As Jesus explained the parable of the sower, He explained what happens when people get distracted. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, He says, The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Here are those who are distracted by all the things that take place in this world, whether it's worries, riches, or pleasures. Their eyes came off of the imperishable reward that awaits us and got stuck down here with all this. And how valuable it is, is it? Not valuable at all. In fact, it chokes out in us what is truly valuable. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, tried to explain to us the value of things. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He says, Here's the real value. Stuff down here, it fades, it tarnishes, it fails, it gets stolen, it gets eaten. It's stolen. The things in heaven. Nobody can break in and steal that. Nothing destroys that. It cannot be tarnished, it cannot be rusted, it cannot be eaten by moths, it cannot fade away. That is where the truly valuable is, and that's where we need to place our value. That's where we need to focus. How valuable is all this down here? Look in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Jesus tells this parable. Verse 16. The land of a rich man was very productive. Luke 12, 17. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, Hmm, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, Soul... He has many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? What value is all this down here? We're going to die. And we can't take it with us. We do not go to heaven's gates and barter with earthly possessions our entrance to heaven. It's not valuable at all. It can't help us with what's truly important. And of course, Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, verse ten. In Second Peter chapter three and verse ten. Peter reminds us that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. Excuse me, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people want you to be in holy conduct and godliness? One of these days, this is all going to be burned up. It's going to be destroyed. 
And what value will it be then? Absolutely none whatsoever. No value. No good. But heaven will be valuable. Heaven will not be destroyed. Our inheritance in heaven with God will not be destroyed. There's where the real doctrine is. Undefiled, untarnished, reserved for us. And no matter what's happening to us, Satan can't take that away from us. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, verse 36, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we are in Christ Jesus our Lord, there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from God's love. And there is nothing that will take our reward away from us. Yes, I know, you can step out of Christ Jesus and then yet you walk it. You become separated from it. But do you realize that nobody and nothing can make you do that? And that's Peter's point in 1 Peter chapter 1. Maintain an imperishable faith. Don't get distracted by all this down here. The worries, the riches, the pleasures. Because when you do that, you'll get choked out and you won't be in Christ. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things above not on things that are on the earth. Our mind needs to be on heavenly things. Focus on the imperishable reward, not distracted by all this stuff down here. And when we do that, we can have an imperishable faith. And when we have an imperishable faith, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 says, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Paul wrote there, This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you'll be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. 
For after all, it's only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you as believers. There's going to be a division of all people. There will be those who suffer the eternal wrath of God, separated from Him. Eternal destruction is called. But there will be those who in that day glorify Him and are glorified with Him. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And as children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, or in us, some translation says. In the end, when we have that imperishable faith, we'll be glorified with Christ. And we can maintain that imperishable faith because it's based on an imperishable word. We were bought with an imperishable sacrifice and we look forward to an imperishable inheritance. We can do it. Would you pull out your songbook, please?